Does anyone else's stomach hurt when they hear that? They get so excited. What is that? Walking Dead. And why is that a big deal this week? Because the new season starts Sunday. And you may not know this, but I am obsessed with that show. I plan my life around it. I DVR it so I can watch it interruption free. I like to talk about the characters. Sometimes I talk to the characters when they're doing dumb things and they're about to get eaten. Um, I may or may not have developed plans with my friends, Elliot Tenson, about how we're gonna survive the zombie apocalypse. And we will do well, just in case you're wondering. Um, and then when the season finale comes, I'm so excited, I can't wait. And then when it's over, I think I'm actually depressed. Because I don't know what I'm supposed to look forward to next. Can anyone relate? So maybe I'm a little crazy. Um, but I feel like I'm part of it. The characters are so incredible. Their relationships are so incredible. And it draws you in. So why does that happen to us? Why do we get all about a silly TV show and all about the characters? I think it's the same reason why we watch football with our friends or have fantasy league football or have Snapchat. I think it's why we have uh, coffee dates with our friends, why we go out to eat, all the reasons that there's quilting groups and bowling groups. It's why we tailgate. Which leads me to a good point. Do you know what um, Brad Myers said? Could you imagine tailgating if you did it by yourself? Like sitting by a grill by yourself, cheering by yourself. It just made me laugh that he said that. So we do that because we were wired for relationships and we were created for community. So will you bow your heads with me really quick? Um, God, I just thank you for tonight and I thank you that you're starting to teach us um, through Q's teaching last week about how big you are and the perfect relationship you have um, that you've always had, God. And I just pray that tonight we could, um, just because of how incredible you are and how perfect that relationship is, that we could just learn how to treat each other. So I just pray that anything that, that we talk about in the next few minutes would just be um, exactly what you want us to focus on and um, just that you would be here with us right now. I pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so last week, uh, Q was absolutely incredible, wasn't he? I mean, like, mind-blowing, amazing. So here's a little recap about what Q talked about last week. He talked about the Trinity, about God. I'm going to point, remember, the chairs are right here. So we had God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And he talked about how that relationship has always been. It's always been perfect. Um, it's always been complete. They had perfect unity, perfect love, perfect support and encouragement. It was a whole thing. Um, I, I sometimes thought maybe God created us to, like, worship him or maybe because he was lonely. But after Q's teaching, I'm pretty sure that wasn't the reason. <clears throat> so God created us to love us, and he invited us to be a part of this unbelievable and, and whole and perfect relationship. And in that relationship, we were to be perfectly satisfied, and we were. But just like Adam and Eve, we get distracted by our own stuff, and we wander away. And then um, Jesus' death fixed that. So our sin separates us from that perfect relationship, and then um, God paid the price for that, and we're able to come back into that. And as we start to understand, not that we ever can actually fully understand that, but as we start to understand how incredible God is and how um, amazing that Trinity relationship is, we can't help but change. 
because we realize that we're part of something bigger than just ourselves. And it not only changes us, but it changes how we see people and how we see what we're supposed to do here in the world. Because once we experience and start to know God, we have this new mission where we start to um, learn more about God and how much he loves us and then try to teach other people that too. Because of who God is and what he is and the fact that he lets me in on that, on the amazingness of that relationship, then that needs to affect my relationship with others. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight, how, because of who God is, how we should treat each other. So all relationships start with God, um, and the Trinity is our, like, perfect example of that. So Q was talking about this, and do you remember he talked about how we get invited in, so he drug another chair, and, and then he said we should bring our friends in. Um, because of the goodness that we experience, that fullness, we're going to bring other people in. And it all starts with Jesus. And I think to understand what God wants for our relationships with each other, we have to look at how God did relationships when he was here on earth. So we look at Jesus' relationships with his friends, with the disciples. And most of these were young men, and they did everything to that, together. They were together day and night, they ate, and they were doing this mission with Jesus. And as Jesus started to talk to them about his heavenly father, amazing things happened. There were miracles, and people's lives were being changed. And then when things really got going, Jesus died. Do you realize that Jesus' ministry was only three years? And so um, Jesus' friends, they wanted to keep this amazing thing going because they saw that what Jesus um, taught them and showed them and what he lived was life-changing. It was life-giving. And so they wanted to take the good news about Jesus and about living forever and eternal life, but they didn't know how they were going to do that because Jesus was gone. And so God had the answer, and the answer was the church. And so he sent the Holy Spirit down, and if you haven't read this story, it's absolutely incredible because it's like tongues of fire dancing on people's head. So the Holy Spirit came down, and the church was born. And the church wasn't an organization or a place or a religion. It was just God's followers. It was people following Jesus' way of life and trying to invite others along into this family and working together to advance God's mission. So the church was relationships. You see, God doesn't want us to follow him by ourselves. That's why he created church, which is a group of people who fear God and who follow God. So here's a description of what um, was said about the early church from the book of Acts. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were performed by the apostles. All the believers were together, and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together and were with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is an absolutely incredible picture of the church. I mean, look at what it says. It says that all people were enjoyed. Not the ones just like us, not just the fun ones, but everyone. It says um, later in chapter 8 that there was joy in the city because of the active body of believers and what they were doing. If we went a few verses earlier in Acts 4, 32, it says that all the believers were of one heart and one mind. People loved the church, and more people were joining the church every day because of what they saw people who loved Jesus doing. 
Christians were loving people so well and loving each other so well that others wanted to join. When is the last time that you heard somebody talk about the church that way? I really think that we've messed this up. I know I personally don't do the best job of loving people so well that um, it brings joy to people. You see, we were meant to live in relationships because that cause others to have joy and where others are treated so well that people say, that's different, I, I want to be part of that. Can you imagine what your schools would look like, what this town would look like, and what our world would look like if Christians did this well? Do you ever have that where, like, a Christian does something and it's, like, embarrassing? Because we've, we've got away from loving each other and we get real judgmental, and I think we hurt people often. So what were they doing to make this happen? It wasn't that tricky. They shared everything. They shared thoughts and ideas. They shared their stuff. If somebody needed something, they had no problem giving them that because they knew that they were part of something bigger. It wasn't just about them anymore. The fellowship part was huge. It was probably even bigger than four minutes of fellowship, if you can believe that. Um, they ate together. They prayed together. They studied what Jesus said, and they praised God things around them started, started to change because of how they did that. Together we proclaim who God is with others. You see, I could stand up here for hours, for days, for a lifetime and tell you how Jesus loves you and how incredible God is and that he forgives you, but God says, show Jesus to the world. And to do that, I need you guys. You need brothers and sisters in Christ to walk alongside of you so that we can do what people do, which is screw up and hurt each other and then forgive each other. So that we can screw up and then show each other grace. Because when we keep doing that, the world says, I've never seen that before. Because unity in this world is a strange thing. We are so quick to judge people and cut people out and be done with people now. But God wants his church to be different. He wants people devoted to each other devoted to living life together, to sharing everything, and to being on his mission. So when someone screws up, we forgive. And then people see this, and they attribute that to God, and it becomes Jesus in flesh. Because once Jesus left, I think that that's what the church was supposed to do. And the Holy Spirit helps us to love each other so much that that people see God at work in the world. His plan has always been fellowship and community. That's what he's always been. When it was the Trinity and nothing else, he had this perfect fellowship. And, and that's his plan even now. It's what he's about. Before Jesus died, um, there's this prayer, and it's from John 17, and I want to read it. And I want you to think about the fact that Jesus was saying this prayer for you and for me, and for all believers in all time. And it's absolutely incredible when you hear what he says. I'm praying not only for the disciples, but also for those who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me, so that they may be as one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me.
Father, I want these who you have given to me to be with me where I am. Then they will see all the glory that you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. O righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do. And these disciples know you sent me. I have revealed you to them, and I will continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them, and I will be in them. Is that absolutely incredible? He was praying that we could be brought back into that relationship. I want to read again verse 23. It says, I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. You see, unity is what makes the message of Jesus believable. And it's why we can't do it by ourselves. I mean, because if I'm going to be honest, it's a whole heck of a lot easier if I get to do it by myself. Because then I don't have to worry about where you think differently than I do and where you annoy me and where there's personalities that clash. I mean, we all do this, right? I have my faith. I don't need the church. I don't want to be part of a small group. Those three people really bother me. I mean, we do this. We think that it's so much easier for me to just follow Jesus by myself because then I don't have to deal with people because relationships are hard and they're messy and they're disappointing. But Jesus said, that's not how I want you to show them. We need to show Jesus by the way that we interact and the way that we love each other. We need people with us. We weren't meant to live in isolation. We were intended for something so much bigger. We were meant to be a part of something larger than ourselves, and it's so beautiful when we actually work together and we're of one mind and we're of one soul. 2,000 years ago, Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell won't stand against it. He's going to do it whether we join him or not, but I mean, that's such an incredible movement that I want to be a part of it, and it's absolutely intimidating to think about. I mean, if you're sitting there (laughs) scared to death thinking, I can't do this, you're right. But then the cool part is, is he gives us the Holy Spirit, and it gives us the power and the patience to love each other the way that he wants us to. Jesus said, I'm going to create this supernatural thing, this incredible unity in this gathering of people, and we don't have to force it. I think that's where we go wrong as Christians. We really try hard to make it happen, but it's God who makes it happen. But if we really want to follow Jesus, this is what it looks like, to be part of the church, part of his followers. And I think that people are starting to figure this out. I think I'm starting to figure this out. That it's not about going into a room and everybody's standing forward and we all sing songs and say a prayer and then go out and act just the way we were before. But it's about figuring out how to do life together and how to mess up and forgive each other. That's why we put you guys in the situations we do. That's why we ask you to try random small groups. That's why we put you with people that are hard to be around. Because if we can't figure out how to love each other, other as Christians, how are we going to show the world? When you decide to follow Jesus, this is what you're signing up for. This is what I want us to be. This is who I think that we can be, and I know this is who God calls us to be. And I really think that the practices that connected that first group of Christians, the first church, and kept them focused on Jesus and his mission are still relevant today. Because the truth is, I get so sad and anxious 
when I look around at the world. And when I hear the pain and hurt that you guys have, I can get distracted and it hurts. And then when I get confused by all the lies that the world tells me, and then when I focus on evil around us, but then Jesus whispers and reminds us that he's always been the answer. And that when he's in us, giving us the power that we need, we can do what he calls us to do, which is simply love each other. He reminds us that he's redeeming us and that he's redeeming the world and he always has been. And then he invites us to be part of it. And that's something. That's something huge that's bigger than us that when we start to realize how little we are and how big he is, it's absolutely amazing. So just like the passage from Acts, it's like, how do we actually live this out? It's not tricky, you guys. The first thing is, is we can't do it if we're not connected to God. If we aren't praying, if we aren't spending time thinking about God, if we aren't learning about him, if we aren't in scripture, it doesn't work. So we've got to be connected to him. And then we have to start fellowshipping with each other, which is simply spending time together, eating together, living life together, praying together, messing up and forgiving and worshiping and loving each other and crying together and laughing together. Can you tell I'm a little fired up about this? I mean, this is bigger than The Walking Dead. Um, I really think God has the power to restore each one of us. And I really think that he has the power to restore all of humanity, and I think he will. And I think that he desperately wants us to watch him do it and to be part of it. So I'm going to pray, and the band's going to come up, and we're going to spend some time worshiping. Um, so bow your heads with me, please. God, just remind us every day of who we are and who you are. You're so big and complete and whole, and we just stand here absolutely shocked that you even love us and want us to be part of, of your complete whole relationship. So thank you for that. And it's hard and it's scary to think about loving each other, God, just help us to start a little bit right now, God, whatever it looks like. Going and giving the group of people that we were assigned to try, God, loving friends, forgiving family, whatever it is, God, just give us the strength um, to treat people how you want us to, God, because of how you treated us. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I invite you to stand as we continue in worship.